Well, thank you, choir. Thank you, Keith. Keith. <laughs> Steve is on the phone with some suggestions. You have been hearing about Project Next, and I want to take the opportunity today to introduce it to you. In essence, Project Next is our commitment to reach the next generation with the gospel of Christ. It is my belief that we have missed a generation, and we must not miss the next generation, because if we do, there may not be a generation to follow. As I think about the generation that is coming up, they have many challenges and some confusion. For instance, concerning the family. Now put yourself in their position concerning the family. What constitutes the family today? There's difficulty concerning definition. If you think about their position of morality, what is moral, what is immoral today because it is subjective. It might be moral for you, might not be moral for me, because there are no absolutes. It seems that every day they get up and there is a new hot spot, a new war zone somewhere. So the question then is, will there even be a next generation? So as I think about the young people who are coming along, the challenges that they have, the confusion that they are dealing with, then I ask the question, what is it they really need? And the fact is they need the same thing every generation has always needed, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no difference in that regard. The need is the same. They need to know Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that this project and the development of the YMCA is so important because it is our commitment to reach this generation with the gospel, to at least let them hear, and hopefully to teach them the Word of God so they have a foundation on which they can build their lives. It's extremely important. Now, when we are talking about Project Next, it is phase one, and, and I see the development of the Y as two or three phases. Phase one is to upfit it so it is used for our student ministry, middle school, high school, and college. And so that is what phase one, it costs $6 million for us to do that. It's a little expensive because it includes the acquisition of the Y, some HVAC work that has to be done, electrical work that has to be done, and then the upfitting of the building so that it meets the needs. And it is going to do so in a fabulous way but to meet the needs of our students. Now, let me give you the timeline for that so you'll know. On April the 26th, our leadership will pledge to this because we always ask our leaders to lead. I think that's what leaders do. I think they get out in front. I think they lead. So on April the 26th, our leaders then will make their commitment to the project. On May the 3rd, the church family will make their commitment. And this is going to be a great day. May the 3rd, you will not want to miss it. We're not going to have Sunday school that day, but from 9 until 10, you'll have the opportunity to tour the Y. So you're going to be able to see the recommendations or the plans going forward concerning the Y. So from 9 to 10, you'll be able to tour the Y. And then from 10.30 until we get through, because we're not going to broadcast it that day, from 
10.30 until uh, 10.45. We're going to come in here. We're going to celebrate. It is going to be a time of testimony and singing. And then we're going to make our pledges. And then on May the 17th, we're going to take a first fruits offering. And we're going to ask everybody, give as much as you can on that day. Because the more we give, the less we have to borrow. And we'd like to do this without having to borrow anything. So that's sort of the timeline. April the 26th, May the 3rd, and then May the 17th. Now, recently, I went to bed. I, I do that every night. I get up several times, but I do that every night. God woke me up. And this happens on occasion. It isn't often, but on occasion. God woke me up and had on my heart a passage of Scripture. And I began to think through this story, this Scripture that the Lord placed on my heart. And then when that happens, as it sometimes does, I got out of bed and I went in, read the Scripture, and I outlined the message that I'm sharing with you today. So it's a, a little bit different in that regard. It is not something that came from a lot of study. In my study, it was God awakening me at night and speaking to me, and that's what I want to share with you. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, and we'll read the story that the Lord placed on my heart. Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When God has a specific purpose... I believe that he has a specific person to meet the purpose. Now, it, I, I believe that it is beyond our human capability when God calls us to something. When God calls us to do something specifically, it is beyond human capability. Therefore, we need the Lord. One of the mistakes I think we make oftentimes in the church is to tell people, if you follow the Lord, then it is going to be easy. I do not find that in Scripture. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you are committed to God, then it is going to be difficult. It is going to be difficult and challenging to the degree that you must have the Lord to fulfill his call. Now, we see Abraham's call there in verse number 2. And he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. That was his call. Can you imagine that? What had God called him to do? He said, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. He was also sacrificing his heritage because Isaac was the promise that God had made to Abraham. He was not to give him something without value, something to which he was not attached. He said, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the son that you love. That was the call. Was that difficult? God's call is difficult to the degree that it requires His enablement to fulfill it. We can see that throughout the Bible. Look at Moses' call. When God called Moses, Israel was in Egyptian bondage. They were suffering. They cried out to the Lord because of their suffering. And the Bible says in Exodus 3-7, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. Now, that was the situation. There was a need that was here. What did God do? He called a man to meet the need. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. What I want you to see with me and what I believe that God began to reveal to me is that his call is difficult, but when there is a need, God has someone to meet the need. It was difficult for Abraham. It was difficult for Moses. It was difficult for Esther. When God called Esther, there was a plot against the Jews to eradicate, to wipe out, to destroy all the Jews. Now, her relative, Mordecai, believed that she had become queen for this time. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai said, And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Now, understand... The need that is there is that the Jews, there is a plot against the Jews to eradicate them. Mordecai says to Esther, who is the queen, has God placed you in that position because of this situation? I want you to consider being used of God to save the Jews. Now, there was tremendous threat to Esther. She could lose her own life. If she went before the king, he did not receive her. She could lose her life. But she committed herself and said, if I perish, I perish. There was the need, 
There was the call, and it was difficult. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that God has placed you here for this critical time. I think you and I will agree that these are critical times. So why are you here? I believe it's because God brought you here for this time. The timing of the entire project is a testimony of that to me. We did a study some time ago to ask the question, what are the needs of our church going forward into the future? Tripp was involved, Chris was involved, Wes was involved, RJ came, he was involved. As we did the study, it came back that our greatest need is for our student ministry. They have no small group space. I mean, they do an incredible job. Philip now is, is leading in that. Scott doing an incredible job. But they have no small group space. So when the study was done, it was determined that we needed student space for our ministry. So we began to design a building. Some of you will remember. We began to design a, a building for our student ministry. As we were designing it, according to the needs that we have, the architect came back and said it's going to cost between $9.5 and $13 million for the building. Before we could consider that and take it to the church for your consideration, we heard that the Y was going to be available. Now, I was totally shocked. I actually didn't believe it because there were so many times when I had been told that the Y was available and it wasn't available. And yet this time it was at the perfect time. And as the Y becomes available to us, have you noticed and been reading about what's going on downtown? Folks, ever since I have been pastor here, people have been moving out of downtown. And now suddenly they're moving in to downtown for the first time since I've been here. There are thousands of new units that have already been developed. There are 3,300 in the pipeline that, is, that are going to be developed. There are 850 college students across the street at the hub. The Ag First building is being turned into 114 units. There is the Bull Street property that is being... Do you see a sign here? I mean, for all these years, the Y has not been available. All of a sudden, it becomes available at just the time everybody's moving back downtown. And the price of it? price for the Y that was negotiated was $1,750,000. And then we found out later that there were three other offers for more than that. But the Y remained committed to the price they had settled with us on. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that kind of integrity. But God calls when there is a need. It is difficult and it requires God. God's call, however is a test of our faith. God called Abraham. Now look at verse number 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Now, when God puts us to a test, 
we have to take the test alone. You can't look on somebody else's paper. It is your test. So God had called Abraham, and his call was a test. He had to take it alone. Now, if you look at verse number 3, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. All right, so he begins on this journey, on this test, with two others. But look at verse number 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and I, the lad, will go yonder. He went alone. It was his. It was his test. He had to do it alone. What I want you to understand as individuals, we respond to God's call alone. When God called me into the ministry, there were people who encouraged me. I remember a Saturday night when Lewis Freem came to my house, a guy I went to church with, and he said, Wendell, God has been calling you to preach. You're resisting that. When are you going to yield to the Lord's will? Now, he encouraged me, but it was my decision. It was my test. When God began to call me as pastor of this church, I spoke with John Bassanio. John gave me advice. He instructed me. I talked with Ed Young. Ed gave me some advice and instructed me. But it was my test. It was my decision. No one else could make it. It was God's call on my life. Thus, it was a test, and only I could take the test. That's where you are. You see, I'm telling you about Project Next. The first phase of the development of the why, the cost is $6 million. What is your part? I don't have a clue. That's between you and God. See? That's something that you have to get with your, and that's what I'm encouraging you. Get with your family. God, what is it you want us to do? What is our part? How are we supposed to respond to this? That is your part. Why is that important? Why does God put us through such tests? Well, obviously it's not for Him. He is omniscient. He already knows. So it must be for us. If God is putting us through a test, it's not for His benefit. It is for our benefit. And the first thing that happens with the test is that it reveals the depth of our commitment. Talk is cheap, isn't it? You're really going to find out the depth of your commitment as you pray about this, as you consider this, because that's what happens. And secondly, it builds confidence as we are obedient. I was thinking about our journey here at First Baptist. We built this building. Some of you were here then. $19 million. Where in the world are we going to get the money to do that? But we believe that it was of God, and so we did it. After we get through with that, the Family Life Center... We believe that we needed to do that. There was another $4 million. How are we going to do that? But we did it. And then we came to remodeling of Lindsay, and that's another couple of million dollars. How are we going to? But we did. So the, the point that I'm making is that every time God has called us to do something, we have responded in obedience, and each time it has increased our faith. It has increased our confidence. And now we have the why. Do you know after... After building this building, the Family Life Center, remodeling Lindsay, the library that was on our property, all those things that we have done, take the why out of the picture. You know what our total debt is? A million fifty thousand dollars. Nineteen million here, four million there, two million there, and so forth. The point that I'm making is that when God calls us to do something, and we respond to God in faith. That builds up our faith and that builds up our confidence. So God then tests our faith 
so that we might see where we are. Then I see that if we respond in faith, God provides for the obedient. Abraham is our example. Now, Abraham had a relationship with God. Do you understand that? That he had a relationship with God. It was a covenant relationship. There are three types of covenants in, in the Bible. There is a covenant between equals. That was David and Jonathan. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. There are covenants that are imposed on the unwilling. That was the covenant between King Ahab and King Ben-Hadad. And then there are covenants imposed on those who are willing. And that was the covenant of Abraham and God. They had a covenantal relationship and Abraham was willing to enter into this covenant with God. Because he had this relationship with God, he was willing to risk when called upon. Now, why is risk important? Why is risk important? Because you achieve nothing without it. John Bassanio told me one time, if you want to be nothing, then believe nothing and do nothing. Someone said, we need to get out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. It is when we are in relationship with God that we are prompted to risk. Abraham would never have become the father of the faith had he not risked. And then it is when we take this risk with God that we grow, and Abraham grew into the friend of God. So, what I want you to see with me is the obedience of the individual, we're obedient to God's call, and the provision of God. But faith is required. Because the Scripture says in Hebrews eleven six. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So understand that faith is absolutely necessary. Now look at the faith of Abraham, verse number 5. Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship and return to you. Now, what did Abraham say, an expression of his faith? He said, the lad and I will go worship. Who's going to come back? That's a question. We. Abraham is going to sacrifice his son, but he says, we're going to return. That was the kind of faith that he had in God. Project Next is going to require faith on our part. And faith is always active, never passive. I I look at Abraham and see him. When when the Lord called him to go to the promised land to leave his family, the Bible says in Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord said, Abram, go forth from your country, relatives, and your father's house. That's a pretty tall order. He says, I want you to leave everything. Leave your family, leave your country, leave everything that's familiar to you, and I want you to come follow me to, to the promised land. Well, he responded in faith because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. So when God called him, the Bible says that he acted in faith. All right? When God told him, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. He responded in faith. You know why? 
Because he believed that God could raise his son from the dead. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven nineteen, he considered that God is able to raise man even from the dead. Isaac is my inheritance. If God tells me to sacrifice him, God can raise him from the dead. He acted on his faith. So, there's faith, there's obedience, and there's provision. Look at verse number 10. Abraham stretched out his knife, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. God does what he does according to his timetable. He's never early. He's never late. But he cuts it close sometimes. And he sure did here. I mean, Isaac is on the altar. Abraham has the knife. And the angel said, no, don't, don't do anything. He cuts it close. And he provided the why at the right time. I mean, for years we've been talking about the why. For years. Almost ever since I've been here. And just when everybody starts moving back downtown, the why becomes available. God is faithful. He provided a ram for Isaac, verse number 13. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. He provided a blessing for Abraham, verse number 17. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. He uh, blessed the next generation, verse 18, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Folks, as we respond to God in faith, difficult call, difficult call from God. But as we respond to God in faith, God provides and he blesses us. And I believe that he will bless the generation that's coming up as we share the good news with them. Let me conclude. We face a test to which God has called us. It's not our first test, is it? We have had these tests before, and now we have another one. And I believe that God has you here for such a time as this. I, you know, I don't know if I get in that or not. You know, sometimes whenever you go into a campaign like this, you think, well, so-and-so can give so-and-so, and so-and-so can give so-and-so. And so. I don't have a clue. God knows. I believe that God has brought you here and me here at this critical time, because he has something special that he is going to do. Therefore, we must respond to God in obedience. We have in the past, every time we have had a test, every time we have had a call, we have responded in obedience concerning this building, the Family Life Center, all the rest. Every time we have responded in obedience, and I believe that we will this time as well. And every time God has provided, and I believe he will this time as well. Dwight L. Moody was preaching a revival. There was a man who testified at that revival. He said, I'm not sure of all the doctrines. And I do not know the Bible very well. 
There is one thing, however, I am determined to do. I'm going to trust and obey. D.B. Towner was conducting the music in that revival. He later relayed that story to a Presbyterian minister whose name was J.H. Sammons. When he heard the story, he said, well, that is the heart of the Christian life, to trust and obey. And then Samus wrote the hymn that we sing, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way. You and I have an exciting opportunity. We have an exciting call at a critical time. And we are going to trust and obey. Our gracious Father in God, we thank you for putting us here at such a, an exciting time. A time when the gospel needs to be shared. A time when we can reach a generation for Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the confidence that you have placed in us and the opportunity you have given to us. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand and extend an invitation. The choir will sing. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to trust him today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you as a part of our family. Stand with me, please, as we stand, they sing. You come, I'll greet you as you do.